Hello, this is uh, Stephen Simcox from Locked on Horn Frogs. So our conversation with Matt Jennings is coming up right now. I do apologize. We had some technical difficulties with the video this week. So it's not on YouTube, but it is available where you get your podcast, which I assume is where you're listening right now since you hear my voice. So here we go. Matt Jennings and myself talking TCU and West Virginia right now. Locked on Horn Frogs, Monday edition. Matt Jennings is in the box next to me. We're talking about TCU getting a win over West Virginia in Morgantown. Am I more positive than I was yesterday after the game in my Locked On Now report? We'll uh, discuss that next on Locked On Horn Frogs. You are Locked On Horn Frogs. Your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Yep, you heard the intro. Locked on Horn Frogs, your team every day. I'm Stephen Simcox, your host. Matt Jennings is next to me. Matt joins us every Monday during the football season to recap the game on Saturday. And we are 66% of the way through the regular season. And TCU is still undefeated. Yeah, I did that in my head right now. Impressive stuff. Um, the Frogs are 8 0. They get a win over West Virginia 41 31. It was 34-31, and TCU covered the spread with a heads-up play by Max Duggan and Savion Williams. A little fade route on fourth and one that turned into a touchdown. So I know folks that had money on West Virginia covering were not happy with that. An, an incredible backdoor cover. Really, really it was. A really bad beat. And so we'll just jump right into this. If you watch my Locked On Now yesterday, which I, it's just a little video I put out. It's like one or two minutes. I literally record it like right after the game. It's just kind of instant reaction to what happened. I was a little more down than usual. Um, and I'll say this again. Like, I think you got to get all the positive stuff out of the way and make sure everybody knows it. Like even the most optimistic TCU fans, I think probably thought this team, their ceiling was to win eight or nine games this year. Now, maybe my friend, Jesus, who comments on YouTube from time to time, I know he had the frogs going 13 and no. And I appreciate his confidence. He still does. You're doing great, buddy. Um, you know, maybe my guy Zoom play who comments from time to time. He seems real plugged in. He seems very excited about the team. He believes in them. And I believe in them too. I just I came away with that game with a little bit of a bad taste in my mouth. Ultimately, they win on the road. Tough to do. Win in Morgantown. That's a series that they have really struggled in as of late. I think the main thing I had an issue with was just the execution by the offense in the second half. So let's talk about some of the, the decisions. The two most glaring things had the ball down near the goal line. Um, I believe they're up three at this point in the ball game. First and goal at the one had a negative run play and then tried a couple like jet sweep into round plays to Quentin Johnston that did not work. One was a snap that wasn't timed well. And Q actually made a really good, like, heads-up play, just getting the ball and getting positive yards. The second one was a really slow-developing, like, end-around reverse that just was, you know, dead from the start. And then got the ball back uh, after a curious onside kick, up three with about four minutes left, threw the ball three straight times. Uh, Max Duggan was picked off on third and ten, didn't really waste any clock, didn't get a first down. And so I uh, I heard some whispers like Garrett Riley after the K-State game, and I was sort of like, I mean, hey, 
they're scoring over 40 points a game. Like, you live with the wasted possessions. And I'm still in that camp. But uh, this was maybe the worst performance that I've seen from him this year. Like, it could have just been exacerbated by those two possessions. But it felt like he kind of let things get away from him, Matt, and getting a little too cute on Saturday at times. I think with – I feel like this is true with any air raid tree coordinators, right? Is you kind of have to take the good with the bad. You kind of have to accept that they're going to get a little too cute sometimes. They're going to be a little – to get in their own head a little bit about like, let's try something like let's show them a look they haven't seen. Let's do something a little bit out the, out of the box. Right. Um, which TCU, what they rank, what I'm looking at it right now, like six in the country in EPA per play on offense. Or if you want to go by SB plus they're um, they're fifth in the country um in or fourth in offensive sp plus like they're really really yeah. good we saw and they were great them, in the first half i should say and, that too they were great in the first half and they were able to make do with what west virginia west virginia had a really smart game plan which was we know tcu can score we know tcu can score a lot and score quickly let's keep the ball away from them and i think they out i don't i don't forgot what the what the final uh difference in uh, time of possession was it was ended up being like yeah like 36 minutes to 23 minutes right um they they were like let's keep max duggan and quentin johnston kendra let's keep them on the sideline they can't score if they're on the sideline right and it worked and so tcu's response was like all right fine we'll score in 30 second drives right like we'll we'll get some big plays and they were able to do that so you know you accept that good with the bad of like situational play calling and this wasn't just garrett riley this was true with doug meacham this is true with sunny Gumby. like they'd get they get cute they try they try and do weird stuff and 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 when it works with the with the weird reverse throw to jared wiley against oklahoma state we say way to go and when you end up with situations like this it it was the fact that it was back-to-back reverses to johnson was the thing that got me it's like you try it the one time okay fine didn't work let that set up something else later don't go back to a really similar look on the very next play um that was the thing that got me especially if you're going to run the ball inside the five or inside the 10 hand the ball to kendra miller hand the ball to amani bailey who had himself a nice game you know or or use max duggan um uh, to to get that yardage which he's done a lot this season so those that you know i feel like we're i agree with you it's a little bit it's frustrating but I think it's something that you you deal with. Now, they're going to, just like Law of Average just said, at some point they're going to run into a game where the margin isn't as big or they're not able to get points as easily as they have gotten a lot of points this season, and then they're going to get into a situation where it's really critical to score points in, a, in the red zone or to convert a third down, and they're going to have them. And I just feel it that they're going to have a moment like that where Riley tries to call something cute in a situation like that in a, and they need it. They don't have as much of a margin for error and it's going to bite them. I'm just preparing myself for that. It'll happen at some point and you're hoping that the defense can come through at that moment when, uh, when the offense stalls in that moment. And so another subplot to this, and part of my frustration Saturday, I think was 
and I don't know what his dynamic is with the coaching staff, so I, I can't comment on it. And I, I do feel like Sonny sort of projects this real hands-off um, vibe where he's like, I'm going to let people do their jobs. I just wonder if, if, you know, in the red zone there, that's one where he's got to jump on the headset and be like, come on, let's not, let's not, let's not do this. Uh, but I understand in the rhythm of the game, that's also like a, a tough thing to do. And I, yeah, I, I think once you cross that bridge of getting overly involved with what your play callers are doing, you start getting yourself in really dangerous territory. We saw that with Gary a lot, a lot in the later years, right? Um, and rather than letting the offense kind of run the way the coordinators maybe thought that they should have, he got really involved. Um, you know, Gus Malzahn got to a point at Auburn where he couldn't ever, he couldn't keep an offensive coordinator for very long because he just couldn't keep his hands off of it. You know, so I would, I think Riley's, Riley's in line probably for a big payday at the end of the season, whether it's from TCU or somebody else. I think you trust him. You you let him do his thing. It hasn't it hasn't bitten you yet. You take the good with the bad. I would say if I were to offer a critique for Riley, be like, hey, you know, Quentin Johnston had just gotten you a huge conversion to get you in to scoring position there on just a quick slant, and like one if West Virginia's being foolish enough to play man coverage against her, if you're gonna get the ball to Quentin Johnston in the red zone throw the slant, throw the fade, do something like that. Let, or if you're going to run, let Kendra or Max Duggan run the ball in short yardage, which they're really good at doing. Um, you know, I think si- situational awareness is the big thing. If you want to get cute, I think that's great. And it can be really helpful at times. Do it on first and 10 when you just got into opposing territory do it at the start of a drive as a change of pace to get take them off balance right and then go tempo and then get into your regular sets when you need the points do the stuff that you're good at do the stuff that you know you're good at do the stuff that you have a lot of confidence in that you've got a ton of reps doing um i think again we might be nitpicking a little bit but it is something that we're, we're just aware of it we're aware of it we are we are conscious of the fact that it might be a problem later yeah, I mean, we're definitely nitpicking. Like they scored forty-one points on Saturday, but the, in, but this is not so much like this is not me saying I think the offense is a problem. It's just situational execution, you know, could be an issue, and and part of that's just part of that's the guys running the plays better too. And they we saw it on Saturday. They have yet to put together a full four quarters on offense yeah. or on defense, but we're talking about the offense right now. And that's a little concerning right now, like whether it's, you know, procedural penalties or, you know, Max Duggan took a, took a, an ill-timed sack at one point on Saturday um, or, you know, just whatever you end up in, in a first or, or you have a, you know, a play call where you throw in a quick incompletion on first down or a screen that doesn't go anywhere. And suddenly you're in second and long and third and long. Um, so you end up in situ- like those are situations where it's like okay, those are the things that are causing the offense to stall out to where mm. they kind of need those big plays to kind of get them back where they want to be. And so, I think if if there is a big critique to make of them at this moment, I would say it's that it's that they need to stay on. They do they need to do a better job of staying on schedule consistently. Um, Cause when they do it, they can, we saw it against West Virginia, we saw it against Kansas state, we saw it against, they can, they can have a long sustained drive 
and dink and dunk their way down the field and 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 finish the drive or they can have huge plays and and have explosive plays and, and get points in bunches really quick they can do both um the problem is when they get themselves behind the chains early and um suddenly you're going three and out and you're putting an already stressed defense back out there on the field which has happened for them a few times. And I think it's what's keeping them from being able to kind of put teams away is the fact that they are having those spells on offense where they're kind of, they're getting themselves behind the change and they're putting themselves in a tough situation. So Sonny said after the game that one of the reasons they didn't run Kendra much at the end of this ball game was because he's banged up. He's got an injury to his hand. So that sort of limited them in short yardage and they milked the clock really more with Max um, and Amari, even though Kendra had a few runs on that final uh, touchdown drive. But if he's not 100%, and this is this is one thing, like to me, when we talk about injury luck for TCU, I don't think it's so much like what's happened with other teams. It's just the fact that they haven't had a playmaker, like on offense at least, really miss any time. Um, and Kendra is not necessarily missing time, but if he's limited in his touches, Matt, then – suddenly things uh, change a little bit for this offense. Yeah, the he was great on Saturday. Average like 10 yards a carry. Has been great for them all season. When Sonny was talking about it on Saturday, he framed it kind of like in a terms of like ball security. They wanted to make sure that, okay, if his hand is what's injured, we don't want that to lead to, you know, maybe him mishandling a, a, a handoff or lead to a fumble or anything like that and maybe put the ball on the ground. Um, so yeah, I, I, something definitely to monitor really closely um, because he's just been such, I mean, we've talked about it multiple times this year when they've needed yards or they needed third down conversions, um, they needed points. They've been able to kind of lean on him and get themselves into a rhythm by doing that. And if that goes away, then you end up in a, in a tough spot. Now, Di Mercado has been great this season, had a quieter game on Saturday, but on the whole has been really, really good. Um, like far beyond whatever I might have expected him for him over the course of the season. Amani Bailey had a nice um, had a nice touchdown run on on Saturday. Trent Battle has honestly like in limited touches and um, when he's been running the ball has has done some nice things. So I think you've got players behind him. It's it's probably the the deepest position you have where you might be able to afford a guy missing some time, but that does change the complexion of the game in a big way because he's one of your probably one of your three best players on offense, not probably is one of your three best players on offense, certainly one of the most impactful ones. And um, so, yeah, hoping that it's not anything serious. It's going to keep him off the field for a significant amount of time. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm, that, that made a little bit more sense later on why then after the onside kick, they weren't like feeding him immediately. And everybody mm-hmm. was kind of like, well, what's going on here? that does make it make a little bit more sense. But then in that instance, like you can still run the ball with Dean Mercado. You can still run yeah. the ball with Amani Bay. They still run the ball with Max Duggan. Right. Um, but anyways, I'm nitpicking Garrett, Garrett Riley's play calling after I was saying I wasn't going to do that anymore. So defensively, I don't really want to talk about the slow starts at this point. Cause I just, I feel like it is what it is. I, I mean, I don't, I don't really know what, is changing, and I don't even know if it's about the timing of it. I think it's just they're probably going to have a few, like a stretch of the game where they give up a couple touchdown drives in a row, and, and I don't have a fantastic explanation for it. Um, 
Now, the interesting thing to me against West Virginia was I felt like it was more fundamental breakdowns than like scheme stuff. I mean, I I, I thought against K-State and Oklahoma State, they sort of caught the defense on their heels. They looked very confused. Um, I'm just pointing out a couple plays in particular, but there was one catch and run where it was just bad tackling. Uh, we kind of had a connection blip there. I think it was like a 36-yard run. Um, it was just like guys not setting the edge, like defensive end getting hooked, and then the corner that was coming up in run support like took a bad angle and got washed inside, and he got to the corner. And, and I mean, that's stuff that, like, you know, day one at camp you're working on. So um, all that to say, there was an interesting discussion that happened on the show last week because, Matt, you said after the K-State game, you just felt like the secondary was was probably like the, the weakest part of the team. Not that they were bad, but they just seemed to be maybe the biggest sort of issue. And Byron Bailey, who, who comments on our show and a couple other uh, people who frequently comment, were like, no, I think it's more the defensive line and the linebackers. So I'll give you a chance to respond to that. I mean, obviously all three levels are kind of working in tandem, but the pass rush hasn't been there consistently. So how much does the front seven's inability to consistently get pressure, you know, play into some of the big pass plays that have been going on really throughout the season for this team? Yeah, I don't think the pass rush is probably where it needs to be by any means. And we've talked about that over the course of the season. Although they got three sacks on Daniels on Saturday, Dylan Horton getting in there, um, making some nice plays. But I don't think it's where it where you certainly where you'd like it to be, but um, between their, I, I agree with you. I think the places where they've given up the, the big plays have been, okay, a guy's in position to get a first down, but you've got a chance to kind of, you know, stop the bleeding a little bit and, and at least you know, wrap and make a tackle. And you guys who are, who are tackling high, who aren't wrapping up, um, who aren't making good plays in space, maybe taking bad angles to the ball. And that's mostly happening from the corners and from the safeties, right? We, and, and so that's the thing that stands out the most to me. Now, they don't have to be out there as long if the linebackers, the defensive ends are getting home uh, when they're rushing the passer. So, like, that's 100% valid. But at some point, if you're one-on-one with a guy in space, you got to make the play, right? Um, they got a little help, in my opinion, on Saturday because um, there were instances where um, – you know, you were asking those corners or those safeties to come up and make plays in space against the running backs. They run a lot of like out, runs to the outside in West Virginia. Um, you could say was doing a really good job of setting the edge. Um, some of those instances where they're setting the edge looked like there was a there was a lot of jersey holding to me. Um, but you know, it is what it is. You you play the game the way the way that it's being officiated, the way it's being called, so you deal with it, right? But so to me, it's still the secondary. Because I've at least seen flashes from the from the pass rush, both from the defensive line and from the linebackers, where I'm like, okay, I like they're, I see what they're trying to do. They are getting home occasionally. Whereas the secondary, whether it's like the breakdowns in the coverage or the fails, the failures to to make tackles in space and or tackle good te- technique, have been the issues that have been more uh, glaring or more concerning to me. Um, but I mean, that it's a work in progress at all three levels of the defense. And I think we lost Steven here for a second. So I'll, I'll keep talking here for just a second when he comes back. There he is. Um, 
I think there are problems at all three levels, right? And at this point, you're eight games in, like you are what you are. It's not so much about, um, you're not going to make any like big wholesale changes. There's no new installs that are happening or anything. It's just a matter of like, how can you mitigate what your weaknesses are? How can you mitigate what your, um, what your problems are? And so I guess that's my question to you, Stephen, is like, what do you think the, or do you think there's an answer in terms of like how they can kind of hide their weaknesses as best they can as they kind of hit this backstretch of the season. Yeah. I mean, it, it seems like they play a ton of base, uh, like fronts and coverages early in games. And so what I mean by that is it's a lot of rushing three. It's sort of just, let's see what the offense is doing and we'll adjust accordingly. And you've seen more pressure, um, in the second half, which I think you could take more risk. I mean, th- the issue is like, I-, I assume their philosophy on not taking risk early in games is we don't want to give up big plays, but they've given up a lot of big plays in the first half, the last three or four weeks. So I don't necessarily think that they are, um, solving the problem that they're trying to by sort of keeping it more conservative. You know, I feel like my biggest deal is once teams are in the red zone, can you find a way to hold them to three? Because I don't think this is a defense, and it's not really, like we've talked about this before, it's not really meant to necessarily cause a bunch of negative plays. Um, But, you know, like a couple times, West Virginia had second and goal at the five or first and goal at the nine in the first half. They had the fourth and two. Um, down near the goal line, like right before halftime, they scored on. Like, can you execute that better? Uh, I think there's some things you can do on third and long um, to bring, you know, more pressure, maybe speed up some of these throws that the quarterbacks are having. There's just like way too much time. Um, I, I think there's long developing plays that are happening on the back end that could be mitigated a little bit. But yeah. Overall, like they're going to give up some points. I felt like, again, like when their backs were sort of against the wall this week, you know, a couple drives come to mind. Like the big one was after that pick that dug in through, like the crowd's going crazy. West Virginia had just scored a touchdown. Um, they didn't have great field position, but they had a chance to go take the lead or tie it. And they made them go three and out. And like that was big time. Um, so if you can keep stopping the run like they have, and maybe just find a way to to slow down the big pass plays, especially early in the game, then that can help a lot. But, uh, you know, it's, it's just like some of your corners are getting picked on a little bit. Like, I think I felt like Josh Newton got picked on again this week. So I can't complain a whole lot about the, the overall effort and, and what they're doing as a whole. It's just, it's more like. Matt, how do you like? How do you find a way to force teams to kick field goals? Um, and when they're putting like first and twenty or third and sixteen, like you have to get off the field. You just have to make a point to to find a way to to get the ball back to your offense. And if you can do that like one or two more times in the course of a game, like that can swing the game in a dramatic way. I agree, and I think the. I agree with you. I think there there has been more of a willingness to manufacture pressure on the quarterback yeah. with with blitzes and stuff. 
in later in games and taking that approach in spots earlier on in games to where you can get a where you can get the other team off the field get the offense back on the field while they're cooking and create a big um you know create a big swing right where you know maybe it's like you know it feels like a 10 or a 14 point swing where maybe the other team was driving and and had a chance at a field goal and you push them out of field goal range and you force them to punt and then you go down quickly and score if you can do that and just grab a couple instances like that um in the first half or early in the second half it it can change the complexion of the game and kind of put teams away to a degree that TCU really hasn't gotten to do thus far this season. I was trying to find the stat, though. I mean, you're right. The the adjustments at half have been really, really great. Um, I think the um, – what was the number that I saw earlier today? It was that TCU – okay, here it is. TCU's last three games, they've allowed 73 points in the first half, 16 in the second half. So they've made the adjustments. The thing that Gillespie brought up last week that I thought was interesting is just, and this happened with Gary a lot too, was that teams would come out and they would, they would show, they would make a point of like showing looks that they hadn't shown on film thus far. Um, that was, that was the, that was kind of the way to beat Gary, right? Was to, you would, you would, uh, in, you would add like three or four plays to your script that you hadn't put on film at all that season because Gary was so obsessive about, uh, about watching film. And so, and so you, you would, you know, it was a trick play or just some sort of look that, that the defense wasn't ready for because they were generally so well prepared. And I think we're seeing a little bit of the same thing, maybe not to the same degree, but the Gillespie's defenses in general, um, pretty well prepared, but it sounds like they're getting some looks, especially early on in games that they haven't seen before. And then they don't, they, they're, they're you know trying to triage it rather than like being well prepared for it and so um that could be playing into it a little bit as well it might be part of why they're playing so conservative early is like they're trying to they're if they give a if they get a look that they haven't seen before they want to um you know keep it keep the the offense in front of them when those sorts of things happen so um yeah i'm in agreement with you though i think you know, just it doesn't have to be all the time, but just picking your spots to be a little bit more aggressive early on in the games. Um, and but yeah, like you're just you're you are on some level limited as Stephen uh, coming back with us for just a second. Um, you're limited with the hand you're dealt in terms of personnel. Um, the one thing that you may be able to take advantage of a little bit is, is I've been picking on the secondary a little bit. You got some ball hawks back there, some guys with a good ball skill of manufacturing turnovers when they've gotten the opportunity. Abe Kamara, Bud Clark, Josh Newton, like guys who, when they get their hands on the ball, are, are able to kind of create new possessions for you. Um, maybe you call some some coverages that where you try and bait the opposing quarterbacks into that a little bit more often um, with you know showing them something pre-snap and then changing it um as the play gets gets underway that might be something where you could maybe steal a couple possessions for yourself and get the defense off a little bit get the defense off the field a little bit sooner than than they've been getting so we'll close with this tonight or you know in the morning afternoon you're not listening to this probably uh at nine o'clock at night on a sunday because then you'll be a time traveler so i i didn't expect to talk about this really at all this season but Griffin Kell has been really solid for TCU. Um, he is now eight for eight on field goals this season. His long for the year is 47. He was two for two on Saturday. 
And, you know, Jaden Oberchrome was a really good kicker uh, for the Frogs back in the 2014-2015 season. And since then, they haven't necessarily had a reliable guy. I mean, Jonathan Song had a good season. Now, he didn't have a super strong leg, but inside of like 40 yards, he was money. Um, Griffin has had kind of an up-and-down career. It, it's funny because like this offense is not necessarily worried about going for three, and sometimes they'll go for it on fourth down even if they're in range. But, hey, it's it's a nice thing to have in your back pocket, Matt, of a reliable place kicker, and he's sort of filled that role for them this season. Yeah, he's been good, and it's been nice to have that not be a huge question mark for them like mm-hmm. it's been over the last – at times over the last few seasons. Um I I think uh, Tom Erdahl, the new special teams uh, coordinator, has done a good job with Kel and just with the special teams in general. I know they've had like some some hiccups and some blips, especially on punt returns where they've like had like weird like muffs or or balls taking weird bounces and stuff. But on the whole, I think his his impact on the team has been positive, and I think Kel is a good example of that. And yeah, to your point, Sonny's been really aggressive. And I like this about Sonny Dykes' approach is that when they get inside like the opposing 40, they're not shy if it's like fourth and five or less to like, hey, like let's try it. Let's let's see if we can get ourselves in position to get seven instead of three. So I don't mind that. But it is nice that when you get in those moments where you have to have it, you've been able to get it with Griffin Kell. And so he's been really good for them. I feel like we've been maybe a little more down uh, in this podcast. So then on yeah, the team, just because it was, it was a closer game than maybe we, we uh, than we anticipated coming into it. And so there's a lot, there's probably a lot to, to, to pull apart and critique. Um, and I think that's totally fine, but no, Kel was good. I think the offense got the points that it needed when it did. The defense got the stops that it needed when it did. And, and it's survive in advance at this point. They're sitting here that like they're in control of their own destiny. Um, at this point for the big 12 title uh, contention and, and whatever else, you know, do what you can do what you can with what you have and, and, and figure it out. Right. And so, you know, I, I, I was, I was sweating with about five minutes left in the fourth quarter on Saturday, but I think going into Morgantown, a place where historically you have not played well. Um, I think you feel good about getting out of there with a, with a sneaky 10-point win, thanks to that late touchdown with Savion Williams, for sure. Okay, sorry for the clunky ending here, but stream kept kind of going in and out. So this is where we'll end it for Locked on Horn Frogs today. If there were some audio issues in that, I tried to edit the best I could. But again, apologize for some of the technical difficulties. We are part of the Locked on Podcast Network. We'll be back tomorrow. It is your team every day.